Merkel Media. You think that I'm running in place? Y'all really testing my patience. Right before I blow up the spot, I had to get back to the basics. What if my talent is wasted? You see what I'm lacking to place me? Since I rap in the basement But my come up is legend, is greatness I don't care now, it's pedal to the metal I can never quit now, I will never settle Puppet to the game, I'm pulling strings like Geppetto We in the same game, but I'm on a different level I passed it, gotta keep grinding till I'm laid up in the casket No fake round, but you feeling too plastic Yeah, y'all feeling too plastic They say my style crazy, but then it's straight jacket Whoa. Why you still testing my patience? Trying to turn me into something I ain't trying to be All the haters in heavy rotation You gon' lose yourself, quit testing me Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Cause I'm looking like Wesley, test me Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Wow, wow, wow. What did I just witness? What in the world did I just witness? Nothing makes any sense. Nothing makes any sense. First of all, this is the most bipolar basketball team I've ever seen in my entire life. But this is not the first time we've seen this team beat, air quotes, Eastern Conference contenders with stars missing, which I don't know how deep you want to go about that, but it's interesting. It's just interesting to think about how much effort you get when your back's against the wall. When you're down and out, when everybody's counting you out, when even the fans in the own building are counting out, when the dumbass idiots that made YouTube channels are counting you out, the effort level is just different. There is a lot, a lot, a lot to unpack on this episode of Run It Back Philly. But first and foremost, I want to thank you for being here. My name is DJ Eastwood. This is Run It Back Philly. No frauds. No fanboys. Absolutely never, ever, ever any intros. That was not an intro. That was a figment of your imagination. Please, if you would like these episodes in crystal clear mastered audio form, they are on Apple Podcasts and other every other podcast platform. Thank you to Merkel Media. Be sure to go over to Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. That would be very helpful. And hit the like button on this stream on the YouTube side of things if you have not already. There's going to be a play breakdown video, some kind of breakdown video on the Patreon tomorrow. If you sign up for the Patreon, you get free content, not free content. If you sign up for the Patreon, you get exclusive content every single Wednesday. So be sure to go to patreon.com slash runitbackphilly if you want that exclusive video only for Patreon subscribers and check out the merch store. Link is in the description. Let's get right down to business, man. Aaron Cabbage, thank you. Right off the bat, my guy Aaron Cabbage. Ha ha ha, Brooklyn are soft as TP, Nets are frauds. I'm going to leave that on the screen. Thank you for the super chat. Thank you for always supporting the channel, Aaron Cabbage. As you can see in the top right corner, Aaron Cabbage 
is the Super Chatter of the Month. Thank you for always supporting the channel, my guy. The Philadelphia 76ers, without James Harden, without Tyrese Maxey, and after George Niang rolled on Embiid's ankle with his dad bod a couple days ago, without Joel Embiid, beat the Brooklyn Nets at full strength. Yes, at absolutely full strength, the Brooklyn Nets, the team that, oh my goodness, Stephen A. Smith, Michael Wilbon, every other talking head on ESPN, TNT, FS1, whatever other garbage you want to throw out there, the team that they all have heralded as the best team in the East when healthy. If they can get all three of these guys on the floor. Let me do my Stephen A. Smith impression. If they can just get all three of these guys on the floor. Freaking like 8.30 in the morning, the guy's got veins popping out of him and said, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if they can get every one of these guys on the floor. Max, this is the best team in the East. Stay off the weed. Duh, Stephen A. And every other person that thinks this. That team just came into Philly and lost to the Philadelphia 76ers, missing three starters. All three of our star big three. That team came in and lost. That's unbelievable to me. That's unbelievable to me. Now. Let's start with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons comes into Philadelphia. And what was he supposed to do? Was he supposed to cry? Was he supposed to curl up in the fetal position on the court? Like, what what was really supposed to happen? You know what I mean? So I respect the guy, I guess, for doing his job. I respect him for putting on a jersey. And coming into the arena like you said you were going to do when you signed the contract. So, hey, it's baby steps. Baby steps, Ben. We're getting somewhere. You know, at least you learned how to show up to work. So I got to give kudos. I got to give credit to Benjamin Simmons. Because for a straight year, we said there's no way he's coming to Philly. There's no way. This guy missed the playoffs last year with a sore back. This guy missed... After playing four games to start the season and averaging two points and six fouls, then he's out with a sore knee. We said, this guy's going to come up with some kind of excuse to not come back here. So I got to give credit to Ben Simmons for showing up and taking it. Finally, for the first time in your adult life, Ben Simmons, you showed up and took it. You, For the first time in your adult life, you didn't run from adversity. Not getting LSU to the tournament. Refusing to play in the NIT tournament. Refusing to represent Australia in the Olympics. Sitting out an entire season healthy because you were butthurt. We're supposed to debut last year in the playoffs. Made up an excuse. They ran from that one. So finally, finally. For the first time in your adult life, you faced the fire and you took it on the chin. 
And I got to be totally honest with you, I was a little bit disappointed in Philadelphia fans. I thought the boos were going to be louder. I thought it was going to be more chaotic. I thought it was going to be more toxic. Um, The fact that Joel wasn't playing was just a scratch two days ago probably killed a lot of the excitement. You know, the fact that Maxi wasn't playing hard and wasn't uh, kills a lot of the excitement. We didn't think we had a shot. So the fans were a little bit demoralized coming into the game. The fans were like, yeah, this guy's going to come in here against the Delaware Bluecoats and drop 30, and then he's going to celebrate, and everybody's going to kiss his ass, all the Nets fans and the national media are going to act like, oh, my God, he's back. The Nets win by 35. Ben has a 27-point triple-double, blah, 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 blah. That's what should have happened. That's realistically what should have happened. It is embarrassing for the Brooklyn Nets to have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, elite defender, facilitator, rebounder, floor general, Joe Harris, Seth Curry. It is embarrassing for that team to come into Philadelphia and lose to Tobias Harris and the guys that were following Iverson in 2001, George Hill, Tyrone, Tyrone, Tyrone Johnson. I don't know. I forget. Matt McCullough, Aaron McKee. Lost to a bunch of role players. Embarrassing, embarrassing, embarrassing for the Brooklyn Nets. I was impressed at the way Ben Simmons handled himself on the floor. I thought he was going to fold under pressure. Now, put up 11 points. Is that anything to celebrate? No. Of course, on TV, they're going to act like, oh, look, he has 11 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds. Incredible game from Ben Simmons. Once again, the first player in NBA history to be celebrated for scoring 11 points. I mean, it's absolutely pathetic at this point. It's pathetic. Nobody else in the history of the game gets celebrated for scoring 11 points. Nobody. The defense won this game. The effort won this game. Camaraderie won this game. The ball movement won this game. And really just the sheer kind of anger that these guys had coming into this game. You know, as an NBA player, if you're George Niang, if you're DeAnthony Melton, if you're Shake Milton, if you're Montrez Harrell, if you're Paul Reed, you know you're not a top NBA talent. Like It's not like they think they are, right? You know that. But you still feel like you can ball. You still feel like, hey, I got to the NBA. I am in the National Basketball Association. I play basketball in the most skilled, most talented league in the entire world. Do not count me out. So I think that's the, that's the mindset these players have when 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 you know when everybody expects you to lose by forty. It's probably a little bit offensive, and then you want to go a little bit harder. You want to prove a little bit more that I can ball too. Um, I guess we'll go players of the game. Player of the game for me, DeAnthony Melton. DeAnthony Melton was an engine 
from start to finish. The Anthony Melton, who I thought was a massive pickup in the offseason, and you know, Memphis fans and all, you know, he's inconsistent. He what what you'll see why they traded him on and on and on. He's a bench player. I don't expect him to be a superstar. I just know looking at that kid's per 36 to be six foot two in the NBA and be averaging seven rebounds per 36 tells me you got the heart of a lion. And it's players like that that this team's been lacking for a long, long, long time. DeAnthony Melton has the heart of a lion. And he's one of those players where everything doesn't show up in the box score. You know what I mean? He was all over the floor. He had his hands all over everything. In the stat sheet, he ends with four assists, three steals, and a block. But it was way more than that for DeAnthony Melton. And every single time this offense started to look stale, every single time this offense started to revert into the ISO game, into the just stand around and look at whoever's dribbling the ball, every single time it happened, DeAnthony Melton hit a big-time shot. Every single time. The whole game. And so just offensively and defensively, he was insanely valuable in this game. Player of the game number two, who I have never, ever, ever said anything negative about, Tobias Harris. And I got to give credit to Tobias Harris, not just for this game in particular, but for also uh, looking as bad as he looked in the first half and then coming back and playing the way that he played. Tobias Harris in the first half of this game looked horrendous, atrocious, embarrassing, unbearably bad. All right, and that's why, you know, when the people come at you, do when one player has one fantastic half, it's like, oh my God, where's all the haters at? Maybe we were saying it because he sucked hundreds, literally hundreds of times. It drives me nuts when a player has a good game, and I love it. I wanna, I wanna congratulate him. I wanna, I wanna shout out and talk about Tobias Harris. But the people on the internet that want to berate you for ever saying something negative about a player. Because he suddenly, finally, stepped up and put a team on his back and did what he's paid to do is ridiculous. Somebody can have a thousand horrendous performances and then have one good game. And oh, what were you? You weren't saying that when he had a thousand bad ones. Yeah, I know I wasn't because he was having a thousand. You know what? Never mind. Anyway. Tobias was not good in the first half of this game, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Here we go. Tobias, when he's not catching the ball in the corner from Joel or when he's not feeding off the attention the defense gives to James Harden, Joel, and B. Tyrese Maxey, just ain't getting it done. And I saw a lot of ISO in that first half, and I saw a lot of Patty Mills Ding him up, and I saw just, I didn't see the aggression. I didn't see, uh, he, he was shying away from contact. He was, 
he was shying away from adversity. And then something happened. He turned his ankle, goes into the locker room, and we're like, damn, Tobias might be out too now. We might be down all of our top four players. And something happened in the locker room. I don't know what happened in that locker room, man. Whatever they injected into his ankle, there was some super scion, just Sahara Desert lion blood. Is there lions in the desert? Something, name a jungle, something. Some kind of lion blood was in whatever they injected in his ankle. And he came back into this game. All of a sudden, he's driving to the rim and dunking the ball using his size and strength in a basketball game, I was like, holy, thank you for doing it, Tobias. I mean, where was this for the past three years? But then he got on a roll, started feeling himself in that third quarter, and then he took over. Yes, you heard that correctly. Tobias Harris took over this basketball game. He had 18 points in the second half, seven for 13, one for one from the three-point line, three rebounds, three assists, zero turnovers. Compare that to the first half, because I feel like he had a couple turnovers in the first half that were bad ones. There's no turnovers on here for a while. It's the first quarter. Um, He had three turnovers in the second quarter. And, you know, some of them were just bad, just the ball sliding right out of his hands, just dropping things, just getting the ball swiped off his leg, just going up weak. He was a minus seven in the second quarter. And in the second half, he was a plus 15. So I don't know what they injected in his ankle, but it brought him alive. It brought him alive. Tobias was huge. The Nets start out this game. Well, first of all, I want to say this. Doc Rivers starts Montrez Harrell, all right? And this is just, even when you look at the time of possessions, it doesn't make any sense. But I'll give him the fact that Paul Reed has foul trouble, right? So if you start Paul Reed, maybe he picks up three fouls in 38 seconds, and then you can't play Paul Reed the rest of the game. And Paul Reed is the only center you have on this roster who can play any kind of defense. So Doc starts Montrez Harrell. The fans on Twitter are like, what the hell is going on? How, how, do you, how do you come into a game starting Montrez Harrell at center? Um, but Doc was probably looking at it like, listen, it's Nicholas Claxton and Ben Simmons. Ben's not going to shoot the ball. You know, maybe Montrez can get in there, give us some offense early, and then we'll go with Paul. And that's kind of exactly what happened. But the beginning of the game, my God, it looked like a horrendous decision. And it looked like the Nets were going to blow this out of the water from the jump. This is a stat off the top of my head just by watching the game. Doc Rivers started Montrez Harrell at center. And again, I don't really fault him for the decision like I just said, but it went about as bad as you could have imagined it, it, it would go. Defensively. The Nets scored 10 points in the paint in 120 seconds. In the first two minutes of the game, the Brooklyn Nets scored 10 points in the paint. It's, it's, it's just a layup drill on that side. You know? On the other side of things, Montrez was giving you energy. He had six offensive rebounds in the game. 
He was just hustling, being that dog that he is, scrapping, grabbing offensive boards. He had a putback dunk, then he tries to rip the rim off. I love when he does that. It's even funnier that he's like not really a star player, but when he gets a wide-open dunk, he acts like he is. I just love it. Be yourself. Do your thing. But on the other side of it, he can't guard anybody at the rim. He, he He's just a six foot seven kind of offensive center. He's not giving you anything. Paul Reed's the exact opposite. Maybe you need to play them together. I don't know. Couldn't play them together tonight because they're only, you're only two centers. It would be nice to have that Charles Bassey guy, wouldn't it? But I digress. So Montrez has 15 minutes in this game. He's two for eight. Uh, he's six offensive rebounds, um, but was a minus 10. Uh, and I, I would beg to to guess that in the first quarter, he was probably a minus 9,000. Uh, and he was a minus one in the first quarter. If I could check the stats for the first 30 seconds, it was bad. But Paul Reed comes in the game, gives you exactly... What you know, Paul Reed is going to give you. Energy, defense, rebounding, flat out 100% effort on both sides of the floor. Yeah, when he shoots the ball, he looks like he never played basketball in his life. Yeah, when he when he gets the ball, shot clock's running down, he looks like, you know, listen, I'm going to say it like this. I was in York County Prison for four days one time. I was like LeBron James in in, in prison flip-flops, right? The guys fresh off the boat, Africa, Mexico, Puerto Rico, wherever they were coming from, the countries where they don't play basketball, or they didn't. Bulls were shooting the ball behind their head like this. You know what I mean? Chucking the thing off the top of the backboard. The one Mexican dude called it Basket Street. That's what he called it. He tried to say street ball. He said Basket Street. When Paul Reed gets the ball and the shot clock's running down, he looks like one of those guys to me that just got here and never touched a basketball in his life. But he's going to give you flat-out effort. And no matter how bad it looks sometimes, you can never, ever, ever question that. He got a little ahead of himself a couple times, started feeling himself, did a little around the back, lost it. All right, two turnovers, but 19 points from Paul Reed. 19 points and 10 rebounds, three steals, two blocks, a plus 21. Let me say that again for everybody in the back and for Doc Rivers. Paul Reed, in 31 minutes of action, had 19 points, 10 rebounds, five offensive rebounds, three steals, and two blocks, and was a plus 21. Now, I don't know why Doc Rivers continues to be so wrong about players. It's very obvious. You know what I mean? It's those kinds of things. Last year in the playoffs against the Toronto Raptors, I swear to God, you could have asked a random guy at a bar drinking a Budweiser bottle. With one of those veteran hats on. And he would have said, hey, man, I think they got to play Paul Reed. You know? Did you ever see the effort that guy gives, man? Why are they out here playing 
whoever they're playing at backup center. They got to play Paul Reed. Why are they playing DeAndre Jordan and, and Paul Millsap? They got to play Paul Reed. These are obvious things, very, very obvious things that NBA coaches who think they're geniuses overlook or totally scoff at or refuse. But Doc was wrong then. Then he starts the season this year, and he's glued to the bench, and we're like, where the hell is Paul Reed? And Doc's like, oh, yeah, that's the guy that I was hoping he wasn't actually good. I was hoping the playoff thing was a fluke. And, you know, this the, the first couple of games of the season start out pretty bad at the backup center position. You got games that you lost where Doc played George Niang at the five. I mean, it was it was horrendous decision making. And Doc Rivers finally again admitted that he's wrong about Paul Reed. And he put him in the game. And he's been playing him now. And Paul Reed has been succeeding. And I know it just kills Doc Rivers inside. I know it does. We're not going to go on a Paul Reed victory tour. Yeah, Doc, we're on it. We're on the tour, Doc. We are on the Paul Reed victory tour. Now, moving forward, there is absolutely no excuse for you to not play him at the backup center position. That's where I'm at with that. Uh, Shake Milton gave you 16 points. He was 7 of 14. He was 2 for 3 from 3. I thought he was really good at times. I thought he was really bad at times. Uh, he hit two threes. There was still times where he was wide open that he like passed them up, and I'm like, shake, shoot the ball. You know, in a game where you don't have your stars, you just anybody that's open just has to shoot it. We need offense from anywhere we can get it. But I liked what Shake did for the most part, and I like you know that he's coming back around and his confidence is coming back around and. I still don't know what happened to his shot, man. He looks like it, it looks weird when he shoots it. It looks like it's hard for him to shoot it far enough. Uh, but yeah, I, I liked what Shake Milton did. Uh, George Niang. <laughs> George, 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 George. I have a newfound love for George Niang. This guy's attitude, fight, uh, just scrappiness, the fact that he wants to be in the middle of the confrontation. He wants the smoke, as the kids say. He wants all the smoke. The level of confidence from George Niang is just it's incredible, and it's fun to watch. Uh, it's funny, you know, because he's not an NBA superstar. But in his mind, he is an NBA superstar. And George Niang makes a couple shots, starts chirping at Kevin Durant. Starts chirping at Kevin Durant. I love it. For you to be George Niang, your nickname is Minivan. You average on your career probably eight points a game. The level of confidence was out of control, and it was hilarious that George Niang was punking Kevin Durant, chirping in his grill, telling him, you can't guard me, hitting another three, Chirping at him again. 
Then he goes at it with our boy Ben Simmons. Which, by the way, you played like a fraud for five years. You passed up a wide-open dunk in the playoffs and lost the playoff series. You cried and refused to show up for an entire season. And you're going to come back into this arena, make a wide-open layup after you got blocked by DeAnthony Melton and and, and luckily got it back. You're going to put that in and shush the crowd. (laughs) That is the weirdest thing. That is the weirdest, most unaware action I could possibly imagine. But he did it. He shushed the crowd. Came to the free throw line in the first quarter. Fans are going nuts. He hits two in a row, and he does a Jordan shrug. (laughs) Do you understand Jordan shrugged? Because he was one of the best shooters of all time. He was one of the best scorers of all time. Probably the best scorer of all time. He shrugged because he was that good. Ben Simmons, who shot 30% from the free throw line last time he played in the playoffs, is shooting 57% from the free throw line this season. 57%. Those are Shaquille O'Neal numbers. Hits two free throws and does a Jordan shrug. Anyway, I think George Niang took a little bit of a slight to the shushing, to the shrugging, to all the nonsense that was spewing off of Ben Simmons. And so George starts chirping at him a little bit. Starts talking a little mess to Ben Simmons. Starts getting it into getting into it with him a little bit. They get under the basket, Ben throws a little bit of a shoulder at him. George comes back with a little bit of a, a little bit of a forearm to the sternum. And your boy, 6'10, 240 pound Ben Simmons, bends over in pain, walks slowly off the court. Oh, 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 George Niang threw that forearm into my chest. Oh, are you serious? I got to be honest with you. George Niang looks like he doesn't bench 200 pounds. And he taps you with a forearm. And you're going to bend over and cry like that. And they give him a flagrant one. It might be the softest flagrant one penalty I've ever seen called in the NBA in the history of the NBA. But anyway, I loved what Niang was giving us, man. I loved it. Uh, his confidence was through the roof. He was 4 for 5 from the three-point line. He was 6 for 11 from the field, 16 points, 5 rebounds. 5 rebounds is huge for George Niang. He can't jump. 5 rebounds for George Niang is 50 rebounds for a player that can jump. If George Niang was 6'10 and could jump like Ben Simmons, that's 50 rebounds. But he's not. He's 6'7 and can't jump at all. So I love the effort and the confidence and the swag and just the refusing to back down. You're in my house. I don't care who you think you are. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care if you're an NBA superstar. I'm getting in your grill, and I'm telling you, you can't guard me. You got to respect it. Even if he's 100% false, you got to respect it. 
P.J. Tucker has been atrocious offensively. Defensively in this game, I thought he was great for the most part. First half, I mean, he was scrapping all over the place, getting his fingertips on basketballs left and right, diving on the floor, making the offenses the offense's life difficult. Three steals, three assists, five rebounds. Uh, tough task to take on Kevin Durant. Tough task to take on Kevin Durant. Um, and Durant was eating him alive in the first half of the game. In the first half of the game, Kevin Durant had 14 points. A lot of those were on P.J. Tucker. But a lot of it was really, really good defense. It's just Kevin Durant. He's seven feet tall and can shoot like a shooting guard. He's going to shoot over everybody. Second half, we ramped it up, started throwing different looks at him, started mixing up man, zone, combinations of both. Kevin Durant had... 14 points in the first half and six in the second half. At the end of the day, our our, our defense, again, uh, same story as how we beat the Milwaukee Bucks after Tyrese Maxey went out of the game. Our team defense recently has been very, very good. I guess except against Minnesota on Saturday night, but I didn't even watch that game. But the past two games that I've seen, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Brooklyn Nets, our defense has been great in the second half. I noticed in the first half after the, after the Nets opened up with those 10 points in 30 seconds, looked like they were running away with it, we immediately switched to zone. Switching to zone takes one guy completely out of the game, and that is Ben Simmons. In the first couple minutes of the game, Ben Simmons had four points and four assists. It was looking like, oh my goodness, Ben's about to drop a 30-point triple-double on us. That was also with Montrez Harrell guarding the rim. We switch to a zone, we start playing combinations, and we start playing Paul Reed. All of a sudden, Ben, not so much. Ben Simmons had nine points in the first half of the game. And just like good old days, just like good old times, just like back in the old days, Ben Simmons in the second half. This is what I told you, Nets fans, man. This is what I told you. This is what I told you, Nets fans, man. He's going to give you one of those 22-point games every once in a blue moon. And when it really matters, when you're really in a nail-biter, he's going to completely disappear. Ben Simmons, ladies and gentlemen, have you heard this story before? Shot the ball one time in the second half. One time. For two points, it was a catch on a a wide-open lob. He did have six assists and four rebounds, but... When you're struggling to score, he's absolutely not going to help you. That's what I told you. Yeah, we switched to a zone. That made Kevin Durant's life more difficult. He couldn't get to that mid-range jumper as easily as he was when we were playing him one-on-one with P.J. Tucker and and whoever else. 
We switched to a zone that took that mid-range away from KD. That took Ben Simmons completely out of the game offensively. And that changed the game in the second half. The second half defense changed the game. Um, Kyrie Irving was Kyrie Irving, 10 for 18. He was only 2 for 8 from 3. Hasn't played in a while. Had 23 points. The fact that Kyrie outscored Kevin Durant in this game blows my mind because Kevin Durant was on a roll to start the game. Cooled off real quick. The Brooklyn Nets lose to the 76ers without Joel Embiid, without James Harden, without Tyrese Maxey, and they threw in the towel. With three minutes left in the game, they threw in the towel. That is absolutely embarrassing. Nets fans, you should be embarrassed. Brooklyn Nets, you should be embarrassed. I think that's all I got, man. P.J. Tucker's offense, that's what I was talking about before I started ranting about Ben again. P.J. Tucker's offense has been atrocious, and, uh, you know, it's like, it's one of those things. A guy's good, good enough to get a $30 million contract at 37 years old, led the league, and led the league, led the entire league in corner three-point shooting last season, 65%. 65 from the corner. Bad hook shots, shanking threes off the rim, airballs a three, and gets booed by Philly fans. It's like he put on a Sixers jersey and lost all of his skill. And what's new, man? What's new? Um, Yeah, I guess that's my, uh, that's my total assessment of the game. Um, unbelievable loss for the Brooklyn Nets, unbelievable victory for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, and here, here's, here's what needs to happen. Okay. With this win, here's what needs to happen. The Philadelphia 76ers need to trade Joel Embiid. They need to trade James Harden. They need to trade Tyrese Maxey. They need to trade Tobias Harris because clearly they are much better Without any of those players on the floor, I'm totally kidding. That's not what needs to happen. It was a great team win. The effort was great. Um, But, you know, it's not like that would happen very many more times. A lot of guys shot very high percentages from the three-point line. That helps out a lot. I like the win. Uh, Doc's job is saved again. I agree. Paul Kim, I agree with that. Uh, build around George Niang, I agree with that. Trade everybody. Build around George Niang. Um, this team dominated the preseason. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. They did. All right, listen, we're going to open up the phone lines, man. You want to call in, give your thoughts, rant, rave about the team, about this win. I guess the main question is, I don't know, explain it to me, man. That's what I need you to do when you call it. I need you to explain this to me. I need you to try to explain this to me. Try to explain to me how the Philadelphia 76ers can be at full strength and lose to bad teams. Can be at full strength winning games by 20 plus points and lose to bad teams. And then they can beat the Milwaukee Bucks 
with Tyrese Maxey missing the second half and James Harden still out with a foot injury. And then they can beat the fully healthy Brooklyn Nets, who just a couple nights ago put up 153 points. Or did they give up 153? I don't remember. Either way, the Nets have been damn good offensively uh, in certain games and not so good in other games. But the fact that you had nobody is crazy. So I need you to explain to me what the hell's happening. And say whatever else you want. Say whatever else you want to say, man. We got a caller on the line from the 304. Kristen. Is it Kristen? Hello? Hello. What's going Uh, on, man? My question is, do you guys regret trading Ben Simmons? Do we regret trading Ben Simmons? (laughs) Yeah. Why? I don't know. Are you are you uh are you a, a Nets fan? Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, I'm a Nets fan. Why? I, I wish I didn't have him. <laughs> I was just gonna say it's, it's, it comes off as a weird question to me because I can't think of a reason why I would regret trading Ben Simmons. Yeah, so, you guys so, are better off. Yeah, I wish we had James Harden again. It's rough over here. I mean, we don't even have James Harden right now, but uh, I just think Ben Simmons, um, I just think his attitude, I think his the way he approaches the game, I think his lack of real passion for the game is is not good for a team. It rubs off on a team. And I, I think this, I think that Nets fans are being duped right now. There are a couple of good games, and, and, and they think that he's going to be what he was supposed to be. And I've just, I just put out a clip today. He's done that for us. So many times. He's done that for us so many times. He shows up and drops 42 on Rudy Gobert, and then he disappears for the rest of the season. So, no, I don't regret trading him. I think his energy is not good for a team, and he's never going to go anywhere as an NBA player. That's what I think. Why do you think he, why do you think he disappears in the second half? Because uh, he had nine points in the first half of the, and then he didn't. He didn't. What he scored two more points after that, or what, what was it one or something like that? Yeah, two. He had two in the second half. Yeah, on a, on a wide open lob. He stopped. He just. I don't know. I've never known the answer to that. He just stops trying. He stops being aggressive. He's always done it. He's always done it, and it usually happens right in the beginning of a game, and that's what he did tonight, and that's what you're going to see him do a lot. Right in the beginning of a game, he kind of wants to catch everybody off guard. He'll sprint down the floor and try to get some quick layups. A lot of times on the tip ball, right when the ball's tipped and the game starts, he tries to sprint down and get a layup. He tries to get on the scoreboard real quick so that by the end of the game, they can be like, yeah, he scored 11. It's cool. He just stops being aggressive. I never, I've never, i never had the answer to that. He's, I've said it a million times. He's the weirdest basketball player I've ever seen. I don't understand him at all. And he's he's now Brooklyn Nets fan's problem. And now he's a Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Hey, thanks for calling the show, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Have a good day. Later. <laughs> hey, that, that dude was cool, man. I appreciate that. Thank you for calling the show. And uh, you're you're a Nets fan and knows ball, man. You know, you're a Nets fan and knows ball. You don't you you wish Ben Simmons wasn't on your squad. You're a Nets fan. It's keeping it a buck. You're not lying like the rest of them. But I can't fault them for lying either. We did it for five years. It's what you do when you're a fan of a team. You want to have optimism. You want to feel good about it. 
Nets fans got to be down bad after this loss, man, and I can't wait to go on Twitter and read some of the things that I'm about to read. My man, Jarrett Newsom. What's up, my man, Eastwood, man? Hey, we finally got what we wanted. <laughs> we got them dogs. They turned them dogs loose tonight, man, and they was being. It was team defense, and we basically saw the best of Harris tonight. Yeah. They was putting they was putting Harris on Harris and it looked like they were looking for him. I seen Shake do him up a couple of times, but they kept him on Harris and Harris was eviscerating him, eating him for lunch. Yeah, he was. He was singling him out. And you know, that's what Tobias Harris can do. If you're gonna if you're gonna solo, you know, if you're gonna single cover him with, with Joe Harris, uh, you know, he could <laughs> he could take him he could take him in the paint all day long and he gets that little turnaround jump shot and he was hitting it, so they kept going to it. The Nets didn't do anything to change it either, you know? That was that was kind of unbelievable to me. They didn't make any type of changes. Didn't send a double team, nothing. Just just watch this man just get, I mean, pummeled. <laughs> That's yeah. basically what I saw, man, I'm going to tell you. And, and I got to give it to it. I got to give it to the Sixers. We was down, you know, as far as men, power, of course. But they had they played like a team tonight. And, and I got to give it to the best analysis I heard was what Barkley said. You have a team that is obviously better, but with effort, passion, rebound, low turnovers, you can win a game, man, at the house. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely you can, man. Yeah, yeah. that's one that's one of those games that's yeah. that's a fun win, man, because there's no other there's no other explanation besides just flat out effort. You just out hustle the other team. That's what we've been begging for. Now if we can get that kind of effort when we have our Big three there, man. Yeah, that's what, we can win the championship. That's what I want to know from people. Is Does that make you feel better about the team moving forward, or is this kind of a fluky game? Oh, man. You know, the Sixers are an amoeba, man. They just switch up every other day. <laughs> and it's, it's sickening to watch, man. It's sickening to watch. You see them get a win like this as a team, and then everybody will come back, and we'll just see one-on-one with, with Joel Embiid. I mean, Joel Embiid, the game he scored 59, he did everything he had to do. Yeah. And it's just like you said, how in the world can they separate the two? You got to play both ends of the court. This man is a defensive stopper. They take they take the joker off the court when it comes to defense, <laughs> man. Yeah, they, Come on, hey, brother. Hey, they got to figure out a way, man. They got to figure out a way to get all these players to play like this more consistently. While having you know you know everybody else on the floor, so we'll see. It's a lot of it's about lineups, you know. You get a lot of you get a lot out of these players with the fact that they're getting the playing time because the other guys aren't there. So a lot of it's about lineups and giving guys the minutes and in the right combinations of players and things like that. And that's on Doc. You know me; I don't have any confidence in that. But we'll see. Right, right. And right I agree with you too, man. Man, my man, Yang is a stickler. I love players like him, old Dennis Rodman type, to sit there and just needle at you. I love them kind of players. You got to have them. Yeah, he's great, man. He's a great guy to have on the team yeah. for sure. All right, bro. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, it's always great to talk to you, man. Hey, Sixers, go Sixers. I don't care. I'm going to go with them. I'm going to ride and die with them. Facts. Same here. Thanks, man. Shout out to Jarrett Newsom. Yeah, man, Niang's that guy, man. He's that guy you want on your squad. You know, he's he's gonna get smoked when he when he ends up on on Giannis or or whoever. But he's never going to lack confidence 
and effort. I think if he put that effort, you know, into the gym a little bit, maybe into his diet a little bit, he would be a much better player, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, let's go to Bo on the line. Bo, what's up? Yo, Bo. Oh, my bad. How you doing, DJ Eastwood? How you doing? All good, man. What's up? How are you? I'm good, man. I want to keep it positive, but to answer your question on why it's tonight we're balling out, but on these other nights we don't get the same energy from the team, it all falls back on Doc again, man. It's the lineups and the rotations he's doing. Look at the box score tonight. Do the eye test on the game tonight, and then explain to me why in the past month Matisse Stiebel has started two games. That makes no sense, you know? <laughs> I don't know if you saw the breaking news during your game, but Michael Foster Jr. got waived four minutes after the game today. Really? I'm sorry. That was a spot Isaiah Joe could have been in. That's a spot Bassey could have been in, but they're signing Lee Saban, some bum from the G League in Toronto. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I will I will forever not understand the Charles Bassey thing. I will forever not understand it. And even the first minute, two minutes of this game when the Nets were just doing layup drills, I was like, man, it sure would be nice to have that Charles Bassey guy, wouldn't it? I'll never understand that. Uh, but well, you, you, you tell me what happens when, like you said, Paul Reed gets a little overzealous, gets 3,038 seconds. He has to sit. Montrezl Harold's not getting it done. Who, what big man are we falling on? P.J. Tucker to play center. It's, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's weird. It's a weird one, especially when you have a guy like Embiid who you know is going to miss a lot of games. You know, so yeah. I mean, I it, 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 it's willful ignorance at this point. And then to further your point earlier in the show, when you said, you know, Shake Milton's frustrating because he looks great. And then you see these massive dips in confidence, like three uh-huh. different times he was open to take a shot or take a three, and he didn't take it, right? Yeah. Do you want to know how you build that confidence? By having solid lineups. I understand that we're playing around with the roster in the beginning of the season, but it's a different rotation every single night. How do you get Shake to be confident when he thinks his minutes are on the line every night? Get him in a solid number every evening, and he starts taking those shots. But with Doc's ambiguity, I mean, the kids never gotta get confidence with this. I'm sorry. Yeah, and that, you know that's a lot of players. That the same thing was with Isaiah Joe on this squad. You know, he never got consistent enough minutes to really get in a groove and and, and feel out his spots, where he should be, when he should get it, when he should shoot it, all those types of things. Doc's just like, all right, here you get five minutes. Hope you don't suck. And then they have one turnover, and he's like, you're benched for the rest of the year. So yeah, it's all that's you're absolutely right. It's so. It's so Doc Rivers, and he doesn't give players a chance, and he doesn't give people consistent chances to perform. He never gave Charles Bassey a chance. Um, it's interesting how up and down his minutes have been with Matisse Thibel. I thought him not playing Matisse at all in the beginning of the season against like some great perimeter players like the Boston Celtics, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown was crazy. And then he played him a lot in a couple games, and he, and he did well defensively. And now he's not playing him again basically at all. It's interesting to me. I, I'm not going to say I understand it really at all. Um, but yeah, it's it's okay. it's inconsistencies with, with lineups for sure. Well, there's two pieces to that. One, Matisse Seibel, you have to trade because the longer we sit him on the bench, don't give him minutes, 
make him look bad, his trade value is going down. What yep. we could have gotten from Matisse last year is substantially less this year. And guess mm-hmm. what? In a month of sitting him, it's going to be less than that. By the deadline, who knows what it could be, you know? So he needs to stop sitting on his hands either. Make a move and play him or make a move and trade him. But this idol is just hurting the franchise as a whole, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Second, and, you know, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. What's your second point? Go ahead. You know, I, I will say your show was one of the first on the wave last year of calling out Doc for not giving Paul Reed enough minutes. Yeah. You know, Paul Reed was having these little bursts and it was originally on here. There's, you know, the beginning of the chirping that Paul Reed wasn't getting enough minutes. And it's just gone to show with every single other player. It's the same story. It was Maxie's story his rookie year. Paul Reed's story last year and this year. And it was Isaiah Joe's story in Bassey's. These young guys are talented. He doesn't want to see it. He wants to go see a bum five points per game role player in their mid thirties <laughs> play for him over a hot young talent. And that's the biggest problem here. PJ Tucker, 37 minutes tonight, zero goose egg, goose egg for the fourth straight game. Goose egg. Hey man, I called in like a month ago or a, a week before the season. So I'm worried about PJ Tucker and everyone said, Oh, you must not watch basketball and know what PJ <laughs> can do. This is what I was talking about, man. You can't have four scores on the floor. What happens when it's half court in the playoffs, you know? I yeah. I think he'll pick it up. The one difference between him and Ben is, you know, you could sag off him on D because you knew Ben wasn't going to shoot. Right. With PJ, at least there's still the threat of shooting, so he commands some defense, which is uh, an improvement. Yeah, I, I don't know why he's shooting so bad lately. I shanked two of them today and airballed one of them. But, yeah, hopefully he gets at least that corner three going a little bit and gets that that up there to to stretch the defense. But, yeah, I agree with you. And, again, it, it's a lot of it's a lot of system, man. You know, the fact that players come here, put on a Sixers jersey, and appear to lose all of their powers, it has to be a system thing. You there's You can't point to anything else. I mean, Jimmy Butler was screaming that from the rooftops. Jimmy Butler was screaming years ago. There's a problem here. People are not taking it seriously. People are not buying in. There is an issue in this organization, and no one listened to him. And then years later, <laughs> we're scratching our heads like why he didn't stick around. you know. And the answer is in front of us the entire time. Yeah, and, but, and, and the, owner, mean, you, you, the ownership you just jumped more, on a, the ownership just jumped on a big name right away, Doc Rivers, and we all fell for it, but that didn't really fix the issues that we had. And we realized that in about two months. We were like, oh my God, this guy's not what we wanted. And now we have to wait for his whole contract to end you know, to move on from him. But, uh, yeah, I agree, man. Uh, I don't, I don't think this win should give anybody too much confidence moving forward because I I have to see consistency before I say things like, you know, this could turn into a championship team. If I start seeing this level of effort consistently, then I'll change my tune for sure. I think, but it's going to take a lot because it's just too inconsistent for me. Doc's too inconsistent for me. We'll see. Well, I'll tell you this, okay, and this can be taken as a positive or negative. If this, if this year does not go well for us and we don't make it past the second round, there's gonna, and Harden has his option. Yo, Daryl doesn't want to lose him. If, if Harden says, I am leaving because Doc Rivers is a joke and franchise <laughs> go nowhere with him at the helm, 
I'm telling you, I really think he's got to pick Harden over Doc. I yeah. really do. Part of me is star- I-, I want Doc Rivers out of here just because I-, I don't think he's giving you anything that that somebody else can't give you, and I think he's hurting you more than he's helping you in the long run uh, with player development and his like just refusal to give guys minutes and like we just talked about. But I- I'm also starting to think there's 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 more issues also ahead of Doc Rivers, above Doc Rivers. Uh, like we were talking about trading Matisse Thibel, the fact that Daryl Morey didn't trade Matisse Thibel in this last offseason when his trade value was at the highest, when people were writing articles from other teams saying, we got to get Matisse Thibel because his defense is going to elevate us and blah, blah, blah. He had trade value. The fact that Daryl, for whatever reason, didn't trade him and Doc's not playing him, you have a, a valuable asset that's not even getting on the floor. It doesn't make any sense for him to be here. And I also think that they they should have traded Tobias Harris last offseason, but right now, you got to trade Tobias Harris tomorrow morning because his trade value right now is the highest it's going to be. That's what I think. And I think, you know, with James, Joel, and Maxi, Tobias doesn't really get this freedom and doesn't really fit that well. So I think he he could probably you could probably argue that he would fit well on another team and look what he did against the Brooklyn Nets when all three of the stars were off. See, he can be a star. You could sell it. I could sell it. But I don't know, you man. You can I, sell it now, though. You can sell it now because he's on like the last year of this albatross contract. But like, yeah. look, I, I agree with you. You're right. I wish he was traded last year. And to be fair, Daryl did try to trade him. No one wanted to give him more money than Joel Embiid gets. I, I think the bigger one is there was no effort to trade Matisse. You see, we couldn't get rid of Tobias. It's not that like. We didn't want to. We couldn't get yeah. rid of him. Yeah, we could to. get right. some chief tomorrow. It's this weird, silent reason that we're choosing to let this you know asset depreciate that just makes no sense. But if that doesn't sum up being a 76ers fan, <laughs> I don't know what does, man. You know, hey. I don't know at this point. Appreciate the call, my man. Hear from you soon. Later. Shout out to Bo. Uh Great caller, Bo is. I get a little hung up. Uh, we could do me and Bo could do a whole episode on the Sixers. Maybe I'll just bring him on the show. Bo, I'll bring you on the show, man. Uh, we got a super chat here uh, from Mister Eighty Nine. Thank you for the support. This win, not trying to be negative, frustrates me because this happens when you inject encouragement and confidence, and not overplay stars or the elderly. Um. Yeah, this frustrates me too. Uh, it's a nice win, and it was a lot of fun to beat the Brooklyn Nets. But yeah, when you really look at it, it is frustrating because this is the kind of things that you see from other NBA teams. When the especially you know when the Sixers play other NBA teams, and I see all these like just against the Minnesota Timberwolves the other night, a dude I've or I don't think I've ever even heard of gave us thir- gave thirteen points off the bench against us. The Minnesota Timberwolves bench had thirty seven points. You know they got guys like Torian Prince scoring eleven and whoever else. You see a lot of effort. You see a lot of uh, contributions from other guys, from from bench players. I just feel like you you're not getting this level of contributions from players until you're out all of your stars. You know, until until your back's against the wall and you absolutely need to play them, you get the contributions. But yeah, I agree. It's like this is these are the kinds of things that I see watching other NBA teams all the time. I see guys like Furkan Korkmaz come into a game and hit some threes. I see guys like Paul Reed have good games. I see guys like 
Matisse Thibault didn't get in the game tonight, but I, I see guys like Shake Milton, Montrez Harrell, DeAnthony Milton. These are role players that in other organizations would be doing these kinds of things with the healthy roster. It just seems like you can't get it out of them until all the stars are out and you absolutely have to play them. I don't know. I guess that's where we're at with it. Uh, thank you for hanging out and waiting. Uh, caller from 239. What's up? Yo, what's up, Eastwood? How you been, man? Good, man. Good. How you doing? I've been pretty good. Um, so the like the only few things I wanted to say, um, I do think the Sixers, you know, have a shot. We kind of figured out who our backup center is going to be. Um, Paul Reed, we got to go on the victory tour, man. We thought we thought that we thought that in the playoffs last season. We thought it. We thought we found out this is the backup center, and then you know this season, uh, Daryl went and signed Montrezl Harrell. And Doc said, okay, that's my guy. And then, you know, he had to play him for 10 games to realize, oh, everybody was right. It's actually Paul Reed. Facts. Uh, yeah, another thing. Um, yeah, I love Tobias, but he just he just doesn't fit with our starters. I, honestly, Niang is a much better fit. He's a trigger shooter with the three-pointer, and Tobias just doesn't fit. I mean, you look... Most of Tobias' points were posting up. You can't do that when you got a guy like Embiid or Harden or Maxi. They they right. they don't just stand around. It doesn't work like that. Um, but I guess the one like the only positive thing, some of the positives, is you get like Shake, Melton. All these guys will get like confidence. So when the starters do come back, you hope that confidence sticks. Yeah. So like this actually helps the bench unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you on that, man. I hope, uh, you know, Shake Milton's been having a couple of good games stepping up, so I hope that confidence sticks, uh, you know, when all of our starters are back and him and DeAnthony Melton are both coming off the bench, you know, maybe you have two 15-point scorers off the bench. Uh, so that's a good thing. The fact that Furkan Korkmaz was in this game for 20 minutes, uh, had nine points. I didn't even realize he had nine points. He was two for four from the three-point line. Two of them, The one was a ridiculous fadeaway with the shot clock running down. Um, and that's, that's what I've always said about a guy like Furkan or, you know, plenty of other guys is that they're, they're guys that are just supposed to be used in, in sparing minutes. You know, Doc played Furkan last season, like 35 minutes a game for four straight months and he was awful and he refused to stop playing him. And it's like, you just got to read and react. You got to play the guy and get what you get out of him and ride him when his hand is hot and things like that. So, you know, to see that from maybe, maybe Furkan gets his confidence back and maybe he becomes a part of the rotation again. I hope this helped Paul Reed's confidence, but I also hope it helped Doc Rivers realizing what this guy can do when you put him on the floor. Uh, so we'll see, man. Facts. I mean, the paint defense just went down tremendously when Harrell came in. They would just attack him. When Paul Reed was in there, they actually had to like move around him. Between the offensive rebounding he was doing and the defending in the paint, I mean, this dude... Could definitely be the backup center for a long time, as long as you know Doc isn't stupid and just you know not plays him. Yeah, facts, man, facts. Hey, brother, thanks for calling. I as hope, always. Yeah. Last thing, I just hope PJ gets out of his slump, man. He put on a Sixers jersey, and it's like the magic just got sucked out of him or something. I don't know. Yeah, and that last one, he was wide open, and he airballed it, man. And they started booing, and I was like, "Oh, this is so Philly, man. We just went from booing Ben Simmons to booing our own team." In the same game. <laughs> but yeah, I hope he does too. Like that. All right, man. Take it easy. Um, Yeah. 
Hey, thanks for calling the show, everyone that calls the show. Um, Faust Out Loud says, uh, I feel like we did good tonight because of no Embiid standing at the three-point line, and then he calls for the ball, and everyone stands on the perimeter watching. Look, I don't think that's an Embiid issue at all. I think that is a coaching issue. I think that's a system issue. You know, I saw it a lot tonight, too. I saw There was moments of this game, and I didn't think we were going to win this game at all. I was expecting us to get to a point where we looked like we could win the game and then we were going to blow it and then I would be mad, but then people would tell me not to be mad because we were out three stars. I'm pretty sure that happened at, at, uh, earlier this season uh, when we had a chance to win one that we shouldn't have and we blew it. Um, but there was a lot of times in this game, in the third quarter, in crunch time, when the offense just got stale. Standing around, maybe one ball screen, you know, maybe DeAnthony Melton getting a ball screen from PJ Tucker. But other than that, really just everybody just pushing the ball, trying to do an ISO, trying to do an ISO, trying to do an ISO, not a whole lot of action. And then on the other side of the floor, you know, I see the Brooklyn Nets running, dribble handoffs, double screen, Seth Curry coming all the way around the baseline to the other side of the floor, shooting threes wide open, Joe Harris doing this. I see all kinds of movement and action and creativity. And the Sixers, I see a lot of standing around. I don't see a lot of action. I think a lot of things that happened tonight were the fact that we sw- that we implemented the zone defense to slow down the mid-range jumper from Durant to take Ben Simmons completely out of the game. But on the offensive side, it was really just guys playing pickup ball and they were scoring points. You know, Shake Milton creating for himself. That fourth quarter, he had a couple of huge mid-range jumpers. When the Nets looked like they could they cut it down to 10. And we're like, oh, they cut it to 10. And Shake comes down and hits another mid-range. You know, DeAnthony Melton comes down and hits another three or a mid-range or drives to the basket. Paul Reed catches a lob off of a pick and roll. Whatever it was, there wasn't a, you you still didn't see a whole lot of coaching strategy on the offensive side of the ball. And that's dangerous because it can work. Players can play ball. We know that. But when the defense starts slowing them down and you start just seeing ISO here and ISO there, you got to start calling plays. I didn't see a lot of plays being run by the Sixers. I saw a lot of plays being run by the Nets. We won because because guys created offense out of nowhere. And every time we were down bad, shot clock running down, not a whole lot going on, it seemed like uh, George Niang shot a 45-foot three-pointer every single time. So, look, I give the Sixers coaching staff credit for the defense that they implemented in this game. But offensively, I really just give credit to the players in this game because I didn't see a whole lot of action going on at all. I saw a lot of iso ball. I saw a lot of one-on-ones. And I saw a lot of players who just wanted it more than the defender creating shots and hitting big-time shots. Tobias Harris the whole third and fourth quarter. DeAnthony Melton the whole game. Shake Milton, large parts of the game, big time in the fourth quarter. Um, But I I still, you know, I didn't really like what I saw offensively. I liked what I've seen defensively in two of the last three games. Um, Maybe we can squeak out some wins, you know, with, with this squad being as banged up as they are. Who knows? Maybe we don't. Maybe this is a big one, and then maybe we drop a couple in a row. Who knows? We're playing the Charlotte Hornets tomorrow. We'll see. Um, raise that trade value. Yeah, you got tra- you got trade Tobias Harris tomorrow, man. Tomorrow, 
His trade value is never going to be higher than tomorrow. Trade him tomorrow. Throw in Matisse Thibault. Why do you got an asset sitting on your bench? Um, what else we got in the chat, man? What else we got in the chat? Need to sub all bench lineup at once. Play style can change. Need to sub all bench lineup at once. Play style can change. I don't know what that means. Uh, check Saban Lee out. Sixers sign Saban Lee. All right, let's Google Saban Lee real quick, man. Maybe I should, let me let, let's let's uh let's go over to Twitter real quick. We'll see we'll see what's up with Saban Lee. Um, Saban Lee is that how you spell his name? S A B E N. Sixers will be signing Saban Lee to a two way deal. Sources told ESPN to clear the spot for him. They'll be waiving Michael Foster Jr who, if he clears waivers, will be eligible to play for their G League team. Saban Lee. Uh, that's, I don't know, I guess all the information we have on him. Uh, I'll go read about him, I guess. is he? Is he uh, Saban Lee is a point guard. I legitimately cannot tell you anything else about him other than that the Pistons drafted him too high in 2020, and he's now no longer with them. <laughs> Who the hell is Saban Lee? There's a lot of free agents out there, man. Campbell Walker's out there. Uh, Trey Burke is out there. Rajon Rondo is out there. Ish Smith is out there. Saban Lee is the guy. Saban Lee is the guy. All right, let's uh let's check Sixers. I want to start doing a thing at the end of these shows where we go down the timeline on Twitter, look at what all this all the stuff people are saying and react to it. Uh, let's see. Skip Bayless one hour ago. KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons are getting embarrassed at Philly by the Sixers without Maxi Harden and Joel Embiid. That's all he said. We all knew that, bro. You can want to give us an opinion or something. Um, there's our guy George Niang with the with the with the emotion. Um, come on, man, Sixers Adam, Doc Rivers can go from possibly the most heavily criticized sports coach in, sports coach in Philadelphia since Chip Kelly to be given a fan funded contract extension by the end of tonight's game if he intentionally fouls Ben Simmons in the second half and wins everybody free chicken nuggets. <sighs> Boo. All right, let's go to latest. Latest. Um Maybe I got to go hashtag six. I think I got to go hashtag Sixers, man. Let's do hashtag Sixers. See what the top is. Uh, Ben Simmons reminded Sixers fans of his time with the team by going scoreless in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Yo, Michael B. That's what I said. That's what I said on the show a little bit ago. Ben Simmons reminded Sixers fans of his time with the team by going scoreless in the fourth quarter. Epic. Epic performance. 
by Ben Simmons reminding us all what he can do in crunch time. Uh, is this the Paul Reed victory tour? Huge effort and win against a fully loaded net squad. The Sixers had five players scoring double figures. Tobias Harris, DeAnthony Melton, Shake Milton, George Niang, and Paul Reed. Impressive group effort. Now, this is what I'm saying, man. There's no reason for you to be able to get this production from Paul Reed, Shake Milton, DeAnthony Melton, George Niang, and then not get anything from them in certain nights off the bench. If your starters can come back and play the way that you know they can play, and you can get decent uh, decent production from these bench players, DeAnthony Melton, Shake Milton, George Niang, and Paul Reed, you can be a very, very strong team. We just have to see it consistently. RB Philly take, Tobias, PJ, and backups are stomping the Nets fully healthy. Kai Carlin, this team really had no business winning this game. This is an impressive performance for this team tonight. My guy, Philly Mike. Five Sixers scored more than Ben Simmons. <laughs> Tobias Harris, DeAnthony Melton, B-Ball Paul, George Niang, and Shake Milton. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, Keith Pompey, source confirmed Sixers are signing Saban Lee. Uh, still doesn't really tell us anything about Saban Lee. Um, the Nets are frauds. RB, I think you are 100% correct. Anything else re- worth reading? Paul Reed is an offensive juggernaut. Yeah, he is. A lot of y'all wrote the Sixers off tonight and did a lot of slandering, and yet this team found a way to win. I swear I'm unfollowing anybody that ever says trade Tobias again. If you think Tobias should get traded, I don't know what you are on. Logan from Sixers Break Room tells us, well, Logan, I hope you're not serious about this because you can unfollow me right now because we need to trade Tobias Harris. If you think somebody that can score the way that he scored tonight in the paint fits next to Joel Embiid, I don't know what to tell you. Tobias Harris has value. You're not getting that value from him when all of your starters are in the game. The contract is horrendous. He needs to be traded. He needs to be traded. And also, you can't really come at Sixers fans for writing. A a lot of y'all wrote off Sixers tonight. Yes, of course we did, man. Of course we did. They're down four starters. Against the healthy Brooklyn Nets, what was everybody supposed to be like, oh, I know the Sixers are going to win this game. Come on, Logan. Come on. It's not like public slander, by the way. Logan's my guy. We're friends. We communicate. But A, 
you can't expect people to expect the Sixers with no stars on the floor to win against the fully healthy Brooklyn Nets. It was a total anomaly. People are not wrong for having written them off at the beginning of the game. And Tobias Harris needs to be traded. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Jeff Kerr, the Sixers without Joel and B. James Harden and Tyrese Maxey outworked Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and Kevin Durant led Nets. Think about that. Um, Yeah, that's all I got, guys. Hey, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for calling the show. Thanks for being active in the chat. Appreciate each and every single one of you. Uh, the Sixers shorthanded beat the fully healthy Brooklyn Nets. I have no idea how, but it is confirmed the Nets are frauds. Ben Simmons disappeared exactly, exactly like I said he was going to. Nets fans, you're lying to yourselves if you think he's going to help you win. You're just flat out lying to yourselves. Quit testing me. Don't make me lose my mind. Don't make me lose my mind. Don't make me lose my mind because I'm looking like Wesley. Test me. Don't make me lose my mind. Don't make me lose my mind. Don't make me lose my mind because I'm looking like Wesley. Test me. Because I'm looking like Wesley. Test me. Wesley, test me, test me, test me, test me.